afford to have a dream of teachers. So that's one way of me. <laughs> what, where, where are your bets? I want to know. What is happening is, so there's a concentration of power. Hi guys, welcome back to the Synapse Pod. Today, uh, we are going to discuss some very important topics which are happening globally. And uh, for the same, we have our usuals. Uh, Ayush is here with us. Ayush, uh, Manik is here with us. Paras is here with us, right? And I'm your host, Chirag. So today, uh, guys, we discussed, uh, we, we thought that we'll discuss some international politics. Uh, we have never done this before. It's our first time and we wanted to actually dive deep into the the China, Taiwan and the US situation which has developed. Uh, just to give you guys a little context, uh, Taiwan has been, is a very strategic point uh, in all of this conflict. Uh, it has been ruled independently since 1949, I believe. And uh, 1896, that's when uh, Japan conquered Taiwan from China. Yeah, but independently, Taiwan has been independently ruled since a long time. And uh, in 2016, once this election happened and the new president called Shai, T-S-A-I, I don't know how to pronounce that, but she came in and she was essentially against the policy that Taiwan should be unified with China under the People's Republic of China. And uh, that's when the conflict started. Uh, meanwhile, US has been flooding Taiwan with its weapons. Uh, the trade in Trump's organization actually like pumped up a lot uh, specifically and Biden has continued the same journey. So on one side, US is pumping in weapon sales. On the other side, Xi Jinping is absolutely hellbound that by 2049, he wants to achieve the one unified China dream, uh, where Taiwan should be included in the main Republic of China and it should be ruled by one unified state and two systems, something which it has done similarly with Hong Kong. So that is the situation and recently I think Nancy Pelosi also travelled, Nancy Pelosi is the House Speaker of US, uh, she travelled to Taiwan and escalated all tensions across. So. Why don't, why don't you guys tell me how this whole situation has panned out? Do you see a foreseeable war, essentially? And is it the rise of Cold War too? That is what you want to know. Okay, so uh, like clarifying on one thing that one party, one country, two party mm -hmm. is what China did with Hong Kong when British Britishers handed over Hong Kong to China in 1997 with a 50 years time plan. That in 15 year, 50 years, we will have one country, two party, but eventually we will integrate Hong Kong as part of the PRC. Similar thing is going to happen is what they want to do with Taiwan, Mongolia and different other POC or the countries that are running independently right now, not part of the PRC. The PRC is People's Republic of China. PRC is People's Republic of China and then POC that is People of China, which mm -hmm. Taiwan, Taiwan has a government which is POC, hmm. China has a government which is PRC. So US directly talks with PRC officially, but unoffic unofficially, as Chirag said, they transfer supplies to Taiwan. POC. POC. Yeah. Right. So they like Washington recognized PRC as the one China one policy thing. Right. So eventually they don't want one party, one country, two party. They want one one China. So one China is is what uh, Xi Jinping's 
uh, vision is and that is what they want to achieve by like 50 years that is 1997 to 2047 was for Hong Kong and in similar timeline is what they want to achieve with different other countries which is part of POC right now or independently running like Tibet, uh, Xinjiang, Xinjiang, Mongolia, then we have Taiwan and Hong Kong. So that is what they want to do. But they propose the same thing to Taiwan that they, they, they want to convert it to one country, two party system. But Taiwan protested, uh, the new president protested because they have seen what has happened to Hong Kong. Right. Oh, yes. It was like the timeline was that Hong Kong will become part of China by 2047. But 2016 onwards, China started cracking down a lot of things in Hong Kong. They started asserting pressure in political ways, in economical ways on Hong Kong, which due to which a lot of students started protesting against China in Hong Kong. And we saw uh, a major protest break out before, just before COVID, just before COVID in Hong Kong, which was messy, which was like, I mean, China was showing its true color. That uh, alerted a lot of other countries like Taiwan and different other places, which they didn't want to come into China mainland because of these reasons. So yeah, that that was one of the tension. That was one of the trigger point that created a tension between different countries, which is part of the China. But what do you mean by true colors? Like China is trying to uphold an agreement from the past, right? So what is the meaning of true? Can you answer this question for sure. Ayush behalf? Is the fact that <coughs> sorry, is the the fact that China in itself is quite uh, communist, right? Like China is a communist country. Hong Kong was more capitalist, more democratically run than anything else. Taiwan itself is more democratically run than anything else. So what Taiwan and Hong Kong did was they achieved far more financial freedom, far more profitability and they were kind of idle situations and they have been growing crazily. When people living in China go visit Hong Kong, go visit Taiwan and see the progress which these guys have made and with the freedom which these guys have, I think it also caters to a revolt or revolution which the Chinese government at the top of a communist government wouldn't want any of that to happen. So when they would want and that's why I think the crackdown on the entrepreneurs also by China on all these guys, uh, say Alibaba, right? like Jack Ma and everyone else we've heard of, we don't really know what happens because there's such controlled media state that we don't really hear what goes out from there. But these guys used to live in Hong Kong or these guys didn't always used to live in China. They had bases in Singapore and all of that, but they haven't been going out of the main China mainland. So I think China wants to control everything. And uh, the idle, that's how they want to be a superpower, right? Like that's the reason why they have $3 trillion of US dollars in terms of debt. That's why they've been the ones who have been providing maximum monetary support. They did it with Sri Lanka, they did it with Pakistan, Bangladesh, a lot of African nations have been trying to control ports everywhere. And one of the ways to actually pardon the debt is to control the port city by themselves. So there will be small barricades of China in itself, which is a playbook from East India Company, <laughs> is what I think of. Where, uh, or like uh, England, right? Like where you try to, call, you control through trade initially, through monetary benefits, and then you start controlling everything else. Yeah, I've, I've also heard that I use this, this hypothetical uh, island line. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. Which. So here you have South Korea. Yeah. Then you have Japan. Then you have Taiwan, and then you have <coughs> Philippines. Hmm. So basically, Japan, South Korea, Philippines, kind of is part of US allies. Hmm. Yeah. So then you're left with Taiwan, hmm. and then there's China. Yeah. So if, 
So US wants Taiwan to get into NATO. Hmm. If Taiwan gets into NATO, then NATO comes like Western countries come very close to Chinese border, right? And Taiwan becomes a very strategic point because of this reason for China that they want to have control over Taiwan so that they can have the nearby control towards these yeah. allies. Yeah. That is one reason. And second, as we discussed, like Taiwan is like 65, more than 65% yeah. of producer of semiconductors and chipsets across the world, mm. right? So that is supply chain control. Hmm. China wants to have that supply chain control yeah. towards the world. So before before we get to the semiconductors part, I just want to focus on the island part, right? right. Yeah. This island chain, uh, and, and just to clarify, uh, Taiwan is not part of the NATO right now, but yeah. every country has recognized Taiwan as an ally of the NATO, including yeah. US. 13 countries have recognized Taiwan as sovereign. As so. Yeah. So, so now the crazy part is if a why, so let's let's just go to the concept of why does a country want to control a tiny piece of an island, right? Although they have such yeah. crazy landmass. Actually, they didn't right? care about okay. it. Yeah. But, it but now why? Why? So and and then I was just thinking and I was talking to some friends as well that the core reason is these islands behave behave like permanent aircraft carriers, yeah. which cannot be sunk. Okay. Mm. Right. And unsinkable aircraft carriers it allows you to build airstrips and it allows you to reach attack or access nearby locations without having to worry about long distance um, transportation of your pilots and refueling becomes absolutely easy so that is a very very militarily strategically aligned positions that's why us hence everyone is just going bonkers after these fucking small islands and it just doesn't make sense but Militarily, it definitely makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Why that island chain and the line? Exactly. How much of this is actually triggered by the fact that there's no, no, no. Actually, mm-hmm. Russia and Ukraine, because where also the subject of discussion was yeah. NATO. Right. Suddenly, NATO discussion comes here also. I right. think it's quite triggered. Is it very much triggered? I mean, so uh, so a lot of people are debating about that, like why US is taking all these stances and why they are pushing these countries to come as part of the NATO when there's this. There's so much global tension coming up hmm. across the world. So, I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a very ill-timed thing by either the existing government or the previous governments that have taken these steps that suddenly every country which has a dictator or a, which, which is an author, authoritarian regime is trying to show their uh, muscle, muscle, yeah. muscle because the economy is in turmoil for every other country. Hmm. Yeah. Economy is in turmoil for every other country because of the uh, like disrupted supply chains. Hmm. Right. That's why the economy economy is going down. The people are getting un- like they they are unrest. not there's a like internal unrest in there, and they want to assert control. And suddenly, US comes and says that okay, I want this country to be a part of NATO. I want that country to be part of NATO, or pressurizing them to be part of NATO. And those countries happens to be at a borderline. In clock proximity of these big Russia, nations, China. Russia, China, mm-hmm. big nations. So they feel threatened internally as well as externally. Mm. Internally, economy isn't turmoil, and then suddenly they feel a external pressure of um, like external com- someone coming up and saying this can become a military base or Boy. this can become an ally. So that's why I think it's coming up with Russia coming up. So where, are you, where are you guys at? Like, do you think the older agreements should be upheld, and what's happening is just interference 
by other countries that oh this should not happen or do you think any agreement done by our forefathers should not be upheld because the times have changed and just just to give you a brief you know what happened with that when you said it has been independent since 1949 yeah. what happened why was it independent basically there was this was part of japan in world war 1 right yeah. uh, japan lost uh, then then there was a election going on in china mao communist government and there was a different government communist government communist party won and that the other government other party went to taiwan and started ruling there oh so that's how taiwan became independent because there was there was a different party running there hmm. after a certain period of years these two parties did a agreement with each, with each other that okay uh, we recognize each other as like dependent countries and whatever and eventually will hand over taiwan will want to will want it to become part of prc so there was that that party that was running taiwan since a very long time until in 2016 they lost oh yeah in 2016 they lost and when they lost then they started questioning that agreement which you said yeah. that should we <laughs> Uh, like uphold. It's like like BJP not willing to uphold agreements done by Congress party after they've ruled for forty years. Forty years. They are willing to change yeah. the constitution yeah. just because. That is what happened with China. That's why the political tension and all those things. Yeah. I think this is what happened in Ukraine that, also. That is actually very interesting because now I question the intent of the party also because yeah. just because it's a different party, they will want to try different things to exactly. build their positioning. Exactly. I'm not sure if they are thinking in there. So part the same thing happened in Ukraine, by the way. Mm-hmm. Zelensky came in in 2016, and that's when he took a strong stance that they want to move away from Russia. Before that, the most of the prime minister or the president in Ukraine, prime minister in Ukraine, was always pro Russia aligned. This was the first time a non-Russian aligned there became, and there was. Uh, But that must be very obvious to people also who are choosing. They they want to. Not be pro-Russia. That mm. they are not supporting a party which is pro-Russia. Absolutely. Or they don't want to be pro-China because they are now supporting a party oh, which is. Oh, interesting fact. Uh, like from 1990s till now, there was a poll happening that do you consider yourself as Chinese, yeah. Taiwanese, or whatever. So like it has increased. Like mm. more than 60 percent of people in Taiwan now associate themselves as a Taiwanese. And not even both. both mm. Not even both. Like it's Taiwanese, both. Chinese. Correct. So yeah. that is a crazy data that has. Hmm. I mean, the value of Taiwan in itself has grown up. The chip and the semiconductor industry. But what most of us are not feeling is that the China was providing a lot of support to Taiwan hmm. in terms of manufacturing, which they have cut short. Yeah. So yeah. Taiwan will one not. One eighth of the supply is taken up by China. Yeah. Hmm. If Taiwan has like eight hundred billion dollars of semiconductor industry, hundred billion dollars is taken up by China. Hmm. So China is one of the biggest client of Taiwan. Yeah. So coming back to the uh, the Taiwan situation, where we have analyzed that it is a processing factory for a lot of semiconductor uh, stuff which goes out, uh, and we recently got to know that first, of course, US wants to control the semiconductor output of Taiwan by trying to make sure that it stays independent of China. Simultaneously, it also wants to. Build its own semiconductor factories, right? And a lot of countries are going towards their own Make in India kind of a movement, right? Yeah. So, do you guys do you guys feel that this is the start of deglobalization, which and where everyone is trying to become localized 
try to set up their own production units for basics and things which will be required in the future specifically semiconductors which will be required for ai processing a lot of crypto do you guys see this trend coming in of deglobalization number one that's the first question and second is do you guys see this as the beginning of cold war 2.0 where us is in conflict with russia china and Everywhere. any other and this <laughs> and the whole bloody thing of spies is going to restart and <laughs> we're going to have germany 2.0 those spies will be the weapon of this cold war yeah maybe cyber viruses spies or viruses what paris brought up right is the pandemic effect Let's just look at pandemic. So we are addressing the cold war question first, is it? We are, we are addressing the first question. Deglobalization. Deglobalization. So what yeah. deglobalization did was cut down supply chains because pandemic. Almost majority of the countries, whenever there was a COVID cases happening, would do lockdowns. China did lockdowns initially, and then they did very recently where they would just lock down huge cities. What it did was disrupt supply chains completely. When you disrupt supply chains completely, it leads to a pent up demand which. Ask most people to buy more and more, increasing in more inflation. So it was the supply-based inflation that was happening, specifically in US, because they had a lot of money due to grants and you know the freebates which the government had given. With that happening, the government realized that China, basically, if China is doing all the manufacturing and controls the semiconductor, you need to have your own base so that the, either the supply is not affected. And that's when they were like, okay, Nvidia take fifty billion dollars, Intel take this much. Start manufacturing in US, right? This is the grant, so that the cost of making in China is equivalent to the cost of making in US by the government subsidies or tax benefits or whatever they have done. I'm not sure exactly how they have helped it out, but they are trying to force a way where they don't rely on China because when the Russia thing happened, right? Like one of the, I'm not sure whose ideology it was, but what? But deglobalization, according to me, is a luxury for countries that have a great consumer economy. Yeah, US can. Afford to have a dream of deglobalization because they have such a strong consumerism. Sure. So does China. Sure. But for a country which essentially relies on exports and doesn't have that strong of a of a of a consumer base or a consumer market internally, it won't really be an option for them. So I see deglobalization do happening over over long term now from here on, especially for economies that are. high on consumerism but it comes with with its own set of cons is that like globally trade is what keeps the peace absolutely between countries so and the moment that stops or decreases the incentive to keep peace decreases somehow also, more conflict i don't i don't see it as a deeper globalization so what is happening is so there is a concentration of power whenever there is a concentration of something the problem is that there is a massive single Point failure issue that can happen, right? So right now, if ninety percent of the manufacturing is being controlled by a certain country, and let's not talk about China or any other country, but let's say a hypothetical country, if let's say a fabric is controlled by a certain country A, manufacturing is controlled by of electronics controlled by certain country B. So the problem that is happening is concentration of power in a certain silos, right? What is happening? What needs to happen is democratization of this this power. You can call it decentralization. You can call it deglobalization. You can call it different redistribution, distribution of power, whatever you can call. It. Right. So what needs to be done in globe? Like what pandemic told us that this democratization was necessary. Either multiple countries as part of allies building on 
manufacturing or supply chain or raw raw materials something like that so that is what is necessary because you're right that if countries people are irrational countries are irrational leaders are irrational right if they seem trade as the only way to keep peace so definitely they'll try to if they are building their own silos of supply chain then definitely they are cutting off the borders of trade between different countries uh, right uh, which which definitely will be a catastrophic to i think it's also thing. just coming to your point if you look at the world political scenario right now it's either very leftist or very rightist there is no middle central governments being formed there are no coalition governments being formed there is no central path being chosen everyone's bending by majority but it's either very left or a very right government that has generally been seen being formed so with what that does is it clash of ideology clash of moving away from democracy right uh, i will just put a splinter in things and add what's happening in brazil also for most people who don't know what's happening in brazil is the yeah the president said that if anyone else wins the election it's basically uh, a wrong election and i have army on my side and we will take over the country so it basically kills democracy if anyone else wins it so that's what's happening in brazil is a huge exporter of food uh, like it's the rice bowl or like i'm not sure what's it called it's the rice bowl of the of the world or something right like brazil is huge in that terms there's like a a lot of unrest happening on that front now if you brazil is practically closest to india in a lot of things like the way they operate exactly right like the six uh, growing nations brazil and india are always compared as ones they are like the the brick nations yeah exactly so so when things go that wrong in something like brazil and we are not taking note so the political scenarios is also causing for it right like if it's a completely rightist government or a completely leftist government that's when things kind of the tolerance level towards political ideologies also causes this so i have a conspiracy and he do it um with left yeah yeah of course we have a, we always have a conspiracy yeah. section short sir let's yeah. go for the conspiracy yeah i would love to kick start it uh with us kicking in the 50 billion 52 billion dollar grant for semiconductor manufacturing locally right it is essentially trying to stifle china's exports to us which has led to the 3 3 trillion dollar debt yeah and the us dollar being accumulated by china first okay china has a inverted pyramid of population where to maintain the stable population you need to 2.1 babies per couple to maintain the population now it has 1.2 so that means it has a declining population and people are predicting in the next 50 years the population of china is going to be around 600 million people what do you mean so essentially the pyramid is is going to tilt towards more aged people as compared to more young people inverted pyramid of the population right a econ so a country and people were also saying china is going to be the next us right stifling exports aging population and a country which is absolutely dependent on exports for maximum of its gdp one third one third of its gdp this is absolutely uss conspiracy to prevent that shift of power and elongate its global domination for probably another 100 200 300 years oh for sure so do you see this as a massive political move on the chessboard of global politics i don't think so i mean all except 
countries with like dictators and communist parties all the other countries have presidents for like 5 years tenure i don't think so they think that long term is what i believe but essentially it's not only about what would be a trigger event then for this like i understand but this has been always been the intent us wants to stay number one yeah. china is always a threat yeah china has always been for a very long time the next us their population policies have always been Hey, mm. So what has happened now that had not happened four years ago? I think that these is, steps were not taken. I, I think it is the slowing of economy. So in the, and and China is ne- not always been the threat. Guys, you have to realize China's massive growth has happened a lot more than in the last thirty years. I right know so China is at years. a very uh, bad position right now because exactly it's cracking down on so yeah. in, like on the universities. True, true, true. It has it's not flowing in China. It has a basic communist ideology which we will stick on to, right? What I'm saying is, we may think on hundred to hundred year scale, but it is so short lived. World War happened literally seventy seventy years ago, right? Seventy years, US the whole capitalism concept came in, US came in. Thirty right. years ago, China really boomed, right? right? Mm-hmm. So, so all these decisions which very sure US is actually trying to make is for maybe not for the next fifty hundred, maybe just for the next twenty. Very yeah. Two three presidencies more or five max five presidencies. So. At least it can ride the wave of AI probably when we hit AGI ASI and then we'll run. We'll have AI wars. Also, what you said with China. China knew for a fact that uh, the country is on a decline in terms of the in the trade pyramid, specifically for human capital, because they had seen it happen in Germany, Italy, and a lot of European nations. A lot of European nations will die out eventually because they are like Japan is at zero point nine one in terms of childbirth compared fertility. to the fertility. The rates have just decreased everywhere, including US. If US stops immigration, their rates are actually below one point five. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So sure. it's below China. So the next, like that's why India is quite popular, and that's why Africa is quite popular as a destination because that's where the rates are higher, right? Like that's where it's still about two point five or two point two, and that's where the next generation of workers will come from. Why do you think China has been most Dominant in giving out loans to the African nations because their next level of factory workers, next level of people who are going to do things, is going to come from there. The Silk Route that they were trying to build, right? Like the Chinese Pakistan, Pakistan has a good ratio on terms. So they are trying to build manufacturing hubs in different areas. Mm-hmm. So when you control ports, is where you control manufacturing hubs. Is where you get people to work for you. I think that's where the China is thinking of. Yeah. China is already thinking of it. Because they already knew the implications of this, they are that's why they have bought the two-child policy, or that's why they are trying to yeah. put put pressure on people to actually have more kids now. So, so, so they have planned to like put up eight hundred nuclear power plants. Yes. Trying to reduce the electricity consumption by massive multiples, like mm. cost per the cost, cost per dependency per on fuel imports. Fuel exactly. imports, dependency on fuel imports. Yeah. The cost of manufacturing will go further down. Mm. The efficiency of factory can increase. They can be globally competitive. Exactly. So when you play so, the chess yeah. movie, right? everyone's playing it. Exactly. So, my thing was also maybe US is doing much more for themselves than to counter others. Like blocking China's exports somehow is very much in their own interests because their, their industry gets a chance to rise. Yeah. Their people get jobs. Yeah. They. But it is so counterintuitive. First of all, in the last thirty years, with all the wars US have waged, every move on global politics has been to deter other people. Iraq, Vietnam, yeah, like yeah, yeah, we've seen it all. And secondly, 
while it wants to let's say given your hypothesis wants to increase its own work and create more jobs it is literally bashing down immigrants for right so so where does the productivity go in and if the next generation of workers and population for any developed nation so called is going to come from immigration then absolutely needs to support immigration they i wonder what if china opens up to their immigration policy and suddenly <laughs> says come it's going come. to be very interesting i am betting on it if i think it will happen you are saying they have an inverted pyramid exactly. you are saying they have aging exactly. population okay. what if they open themselves to the world saying come what if efficiency goes up what if manufacturing efficiency Sorry. goes up The overall service energy becomes cheaper. There are two fights that are happening, right? You're looking at the manufacturing side of thing, which China is trying to control. There is the other fight, which is the software side of things. Look at the amount of uh, software engineers which US companies themselves control. Look at the amount of engineers. Uh, I think Apple, Google, Facebook remove Apple, Google, Facebook, and Google Meta. Sorry, guys. Google Meta, Apple, uh, Amazon are hiring in India. It's around thirty thousand engineers, software engineers. So the next commodity that you can control in terms of working population are either software engineers or hardware or manufacturing guys. Manufacturing is something which China is already quite good at, and you know they have got expertise in that. Mm. That's why US are putting more stuff in. They're they're not gonna give up overnight, right? They have all that infrastructure in place. They have the raw materials in place. What they need to do is they need to make them more efficient. If even if they make it like double efficiency. Mm. Same number of people can like produce more goods suddenly out of nowhere, mm-hmm. right? So they have to improve the efficiency of their factories, their uh, workforce, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So now, where where does the whole Taiwan scene come in? Like, if you were saying that they wanted to get that dream in place, one China dream by twenty forty seven. With Hong Kong. Yeah. With What Hong was the timeline with Taiwan? It's around twenty forty seven, twenty forty nine. Then Similar. by now. Oh, because uh, Jinping is getting old. He wants to uh, create Do a it himself. Can be in the history books. They are the obsession to be the history creator. They are twenty years, thirty years early than what they plan to. Even with Hong Kong, right? Probably it's escalated by the fact that now they have seen that, like Russia trying to crack down on uh, Ukraine, Ukraine and. Foreign PR happening and foreign mm-hmm. countries supporting it. Don't no, don't do this. So they don't want to do it. Yeah, supporting like early, like it will just get tougher with time, maybe. Also, like me, no. What if Ukraine survives? Okay. And what if the end to the Russia-Ukraine war is no, you can't do this. Then okay. suddenly this also becomes that, that impossible in future. That certifies the control of West. West on yes. this, these exactly. this region. Exactly. NATO, NATO essentially. I think one of the things yeah. they would also want to do is. If Russia and China actually stand up together to the world, they can. So might as well do it right now and get things over with quickly. That really sounds like a family saying, "If we are all together, we are very strong." But most of the times, they are not. I mean, like, theoretically, I mean, yes, like, will that happen? Yeah. I mean, they cannot a... stand together again because they do not have that much consumerism, right? So they cannot sustain the economy. Not sustain, but I mean, they can sustain a war. If it is comes to a World War Three, China and Russia together is a Is a daunting prospect for the world. Do you think that China and Russia will be together? However, you need to analyze with respect to every world war, whichever countries have come together had the similar ideologies. When Japan came in, it had similar dictatorship ideologies as compared to Russia, uh, Germany, mm-hmm. right? Here, Russia and China very different oh. in terms of the Russia is hundred percent socialist and China is hundred percent communist. So their ideologies of ruling and the kind of 
mentality to go into war but is common absolutely. enemy right but yeah common enemy common yeah, enemy, enemy i get it however i feel that it would be it, it would be very similar situation to japan and russia in the first in the in the first world war or second world war where they established this kind of a control with different ideologies they would be friends for some time if it gets down to the world war 3 but essentially they would be enemies china and russia i don't think so because they will be fighting wars on two fronts china and russia share the longest border that can be shared between two countries you know that right like uh, and uh, well i know that essentially the borderline between china and longest. russia is, is one of the longest borders that is shared on ground so if they have to fight they have to fight together rather than fighting in worldly i mean it's a lot of sarad so no one actually can go and fight there but uh, right now with ukraine we know fights are happening through drones who creates the maximum amount of drones in the world we should know that answer it's china who creates the maximum amount of things which we are thinking of other wars are going to fight the biological warfare right like essentially the city of our century would might be wuhan <laughs> for very different reasons <laughs> so Get to see, but I I see it as a I I don't I, I, somehow I don't fear Russia in terms of what they're trying to do. They're not even I mean we've I seen what the situation in Ukraine. Of course, we are pumping it with a lot of weapons. The West is pumping it with a lot lot of weapons, but still like I somehow I've always had this ideology that Russia Russia is that player which gets into a fight, never loses, never wins. <laughs> it just stays. <laughs> it just keeps on fighting. So I mean uh, it's kind of a stalemate situation, like. as in india as a country can't fight china so as our country if we have to take a stance i think the best answer should be friends with them are you sure we I can't fight or we don't fight that is a very as per my knowledge and it could be uh, hindered and i might not know everything <laughs> did, I, did i catch you off guard there <laughs> i mean uh, it's my opinion with the knowledge which i have i don't have the whole world like i don't have the knowledge which the defense ministry or people in the right places would have to speak on it mm-hmm. i only have the knowledge in the public domain that we don't have enough materials to fight them out i was about as per the public domain i hope everyone notice how money tried to be absolutely politically correct here which is <laughs> geopolitical yeah just in case it leads to some controversy we will try to clarify it in the next podcast
uh, and that's oh, the reason. Yeah. Why so in Hong Kong, there has never been a democratic election. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's always been a it's Chinese. It's always been a Chinese appointed person. Some, not Chinese appointed, but some party members selecting a president or prime minister, whatever. Yeah, yeah. single party. Single exactly. party. Okay. So huh. Hong Kong people had some rights with respect to voting to that legislation, but. Chinese government eventually took away the, those rights. Oh, China things. takes Taiwan. That's what is going to happen. My okay. money is my money is on China. <laughs> It'll absolutely take Taiwan, and no one can bat an eye. Absolutely. Uh, I was about to say two things happened in Hong Kong systematically when I last visited that country. A lot of people said that uh, the Chinese government tried to make sure not enough people speak Cantonese and more people started speaking Mandarin, which is the speak language of PRO and not. You know, Cantonese was more popular in Hong Kong, and that's been faded away from the public school system. So, public school systems are not given grants if they have Cantonese-speaking teachers. So, that's one way of making sure you know that the language or the yeah, culture doesn't get lost. Yeah. They essentially don't want any of the culture because Hong Kong, uh, China believes that no religion should be taught. Uh, like they want to be anti any religion, uh, not anything in particular. Hong Kong is quite religious, by the way. They have Buddhism. They have like they have a whole religious following, and they wanted to destroy that. And that's why they have a puppet leader, which is the reason why people started protesting mm-hmm. when they started seeing culture being destroyed. Mm-hmm. I think uh, this is the same thing which is going to happen in Taiwan. It's going to be a slow death. I don't think it's going to be like a full blown out war. Uh, I think China is going to recede. And uh, at this point of time, US is still strong enough and big enough to. You know, I'm twist China to be like, hey guys, let's just be neutral about this. No, but but, but in, in in Taiwan's case, US specifically honors one China policy. Yes, it yeah. does. They've said it again and again. Acknowledges is the word. Actually, acknowledges the word. That is what these guys are taking the benefit of. Exactly. In one of the documents, the word is written. We acknowledge that one it China. is one China. And now what they're saying is, acknowledge does not mean that we accept. Yeah. Okay. Which is the crazy uh, how they're loophole. reading between the lines and loopholes. Yeah. So that is insane. And of course, like so they have their own agenda. Also, by the way, no, but US, US only trans US only talks to PRC in Beijing. Yes. They don't talk to government in Taiwan. Of course. Official. Yes, yes, yes. Which means they're but but the Chinese Pelosi went and the US kind of supported with the whole. If you see the most recent comments by Biden, he's like, we'll definitely support Taiwan with all the weaponry that we. So, so that is obviously there. But just, just coming back to that point, Manik, when you were saying that uh, Cantonese and Mandarin, we, they're trying to destroy the culture. I was recently in Germany, and uh, we actually went to the place where Hitler gave his most important speeches and swayed the government. And there was a, there there was a point uh, where uh, the the famous, infamous burning of book the burning of the book ceremony happened, mm-hmm. where all the Nazi SS soldiers actually got all Jewish books. And they burned, and there was a massive fire um, uh, under Hitler's rule. So it was much more a showcase of their power rather than actual burning of books. And so what they have done is they have created a glass underground uh, uh, basement, where from the ground, when you're walking actually on the ground, if you look below the basement in the glass, you can see millions of empty bookshelves. That is how they're trying to signify that. Hey, yeah. even though the books are burned, our memories are not. I so so I I somehow feel there will be some kind of a resistance to that as well. But uh, look at the Dalai Lama and the whole controversy, right? Like the Buddhism's l- chain of thoughts, they're gone. Yeah. 
there is not uh, like they are in a pair right like the other pair is already dead <laughs> the lai lama is soon going to die and there is not going to be any more the lai lama in the world i mean not no i don't know man <laughs> sorry paris for that uh, if that seems a little brutal but uh, if you are a human you will die i think it's going all under controversies today <laughs> if, if he gets banned <laughs> i don't say anything <laughs> argument Like it's a debate. Like if it goes beyond words in any way, I think it's war. I think you can call it cold war. You can call it armed war, bio war, whatever. The moment it goes beyond words, I feel it. It feels like war. Man. I think uh, when you have to, even if it's choking someone's supply chain, I think it's very much war. We're defining war. I'm asking, what is the meaning? Of the meaning. At any point of time, when one, at any point of time, when one country thinks that they can fight the other country out. and they have a chance of winning is when war happens the meaning is just dominance and is to showcase in the in the books that i think it uh, defines from the meaning of life uh, if at any one point of time one of the political readers or the country thinks that they can write themselves in the history by being the most defining you know the defining force of that century or couple of centuries that's uh, so for me the meaning of war is the evolution of the successor ideology it is literally just a battle of ideologies of how people think looking at the same thing i may have a certain lifestyle you may have a certain lifestyle which may be absolutely different from each others and we just want the world to run according to us it is literally just a conflict of thoughts leading to everything else which ideology will succeed next this is exactly what we saw in world war 1 world war 2 is all that is my way or your way or the highway so i i believe like there's a ingrained quality of survival of the fittest in human beings since a very long time and that is the reason why everything happens be it terms of development be it terms of progress be it terms of war right so i mean the meaning eventually the meaning of everything is like survival of the fittest that is what people equate every actions to the, this ideology and that's how things happen Yeah, it's a showcase, according to you, or everyone wants to be the fittest, so they survive. Everyone wants to be the fittest eventually. DNA coded. Yes. I just feel in today's age and time, the survival of the fittest as an ideology to live by is the worst ideology a person can have because ultimately you're always in the discomfort of battle, whether it's intellectual or physical. True. True. So maybe maybe the next capitalism. Will be defined by much more capitalism moral values. Social good. Yeah, so, social, social, social capitalism. Good. Yeah, somehow mixing of ideologies. Probably when we we all make. During X percent per quarter, you are doing Y percent in social good. Social good. Yeah. So to balance it off. Yeah. Social good. Yeah. So to balance it off. Yeah. So so we'll we'll wait for our government on Mars and then we'll create a. new system because the patterns have been repeated over and over again uh, the reason why we read history is the fact that there are certain patterns that can be triggered from when we have started recording history and they have been over and over tried and tested 
So everyone says democracy is like two three centuries old. I am like, hey, the first municipalities that were ever formed were in thirteenth century by Switzerland, and they have still existed on that front. When kings kind of came together to form a democracy, and they started to get voted in and voted out. So, so that's when I see that pattern existed in one part of the world. It was just it was the spread of knowledge and information wasn't as fast as it's been in the past few centuries, where it just spreads a lot faster. I disagree somehow. Because I feel that the first persons to reach extra extraterrestrial, whether that's Mars or beyond that, would be private companies and private individuals as compared to governments. This collective understanding of my ideology versus your ideology is massively driven by governments and their initiatives. If private individuals and their bandwagon, like companies, are able to reach that geography, if they are able to eliminate that pressure from Earth. And the jurisdiction which their companies lie in on Earth, we may be we may have a shot to create a new Martian government. So here is hoping that we are, and concluding the podcast on the thought that we are able to go away from from our ape shit, and <laughs> and believe in a higher consciousness. Which, yes. Which Don't be ape. Ones. Just buy board ape. Don't be ape. Buy board ape. Board ape to zero. Board ape to minus. Who said that? Eat to minus. Eat sub zero. Oh, we have no idea what you're talking about, but thank you so much for today's pod, and see you next time, guys. All right, bye-bye. bye bye. Bye.